Welcome to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Our mission is to bring you discussions on a wide array of topics in the coaching world to grow players on and off the court. You can connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and also reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Now, here's your host, Coach Mike Hernandez. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you guys so much for joining us here for another episode, wherever in the world you are listening to us from, whatever platform you're listening to us on. Thank you guys so much as we continue on year three of this podcast. And thank you guys who've been there since day one or those of you who just joined us. You you came at the right time. This episode is one that came requested by a few people, uh, coaches specifically who wanted to talk a little bit about how to get their players to play with more pace. As I was having some conversations with coaches who wanted to discuss this topic, they discussed about just how fast the game was going and how it's very much up and down. And and there's a lot of advantages and a lot of great things to that. But at the same time, that could also lead to things getting a little sloppy, things getting a little out of control, or players just playing way out of the speed that they need to be for that time and situation. So I thought it'd be really, really good to have an episode specifically dedicated towards the training and building of players so that they're able to play with pace, they're able to read the situation, able to kind of see what's happening on the court and take control of what's happening down there. And uh, that's why we're going to dedicate a whole episode to it today. So if that looks like something you are interested in, definitely stick around and share it with those who you know who might be interested. My guest to help discuss this topic is the head boys coach at Dumas High School. I'm very happy to be joined by Coach Jordan Winholz. Coach, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing really good. Um, You know, we're thankful for uh, life every single day. I'm just thankful to be on here with you. So, Awesome. And I'm really glad to have you on to, to share this because I know that this is something that, that, that you, you have a lot of thoughts and insights on. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting into this one. Coach, let's go ahead and get started with your uh, basketball journey and your coaching journey. Where's the game taking you? Where's your coaching journey taking you? And, and what led you to do this? Yes, sir. So, um, you know, <clears throat> I started, I'm from Kansas. Um, you know, I made my way down to uh, the Panhandle of Texas. So how I got there, you know, I'm Hayes High School, uh, went to a 5A school down there. Um, really, my athletic background was, you know, soccer was my main sport. Um, played some football, track and field, all that good stuff growing up. I was, God, I guess, left me on a, on a different path in uh, basketball. I got a basketball scholarship. Kind of surprised I didn't get a, a soccer scholarship. And, uh, you know, I ran with that. Uh, played some juco basketball at Barton up in Kansas. It's in Great Bend. And then I continued my academic athletic career to McPherson College and AI program um, up there in Kansas as well. And uh, when I graduated, I, I didn't want to stop, you know, being around the game that had given me so many opportunities to further my life. So um, I graduated and moved to Texas and uh, worked my tail off to complete some tests and land my first coaching job in Brownfield 2018 as a J-High assistant, uh, had some varsity uh, duties, football, basketball, track, and then had an opportunity 2020 to lead a program in Borger. Um, I interviewed, got the job, and uh, finished up my second year over there. And then I just recently took the head basketball job at, at Dumas High School. So that's where I'm currently am now. And, and I have to ask because I feel like I ask everybody who I talk to who's a basketball coach in Texas. So I'm going to ask you the same question about okay. what, what is the balance with uh, – 
basketball in terms of like football is football king over there where, where you're at and, and, and is basketball still still important what what's the the discrepancy <laughs> if any between between the way football and basketball is over there in your area you know um it, it is you know football i think is just the sport that requires less skill so therefore more kids play it um i think it's more sought after i think you know, you get the participation now, you know, I think, I think that has a factor into it, but over here, it's, it's king. Um, you know, <laughs> I wish I had as many basketball players as football kids, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's definitely is king over here and you just got to find a balance. Um, you know, coaches got to be on the same page and, uh, you know, basketball, I think is in the Panhandle area, in the Amarillo area, it's getting more popular. So, um, but I, I definitely still think it's on the back burner to football a little bit. It's one of the good things, though, and hopefully you have this over there at Dumas, is sometimes you can find some pretty good ball players who, who maybe football is their primary sport, but then you can get like some of these, these, these boys who are just bruisers or, or rebounders or guys who can get, yes. get really physical. And maybe, maybe basketball is their other sport, but, but there's, there's some good, good players, some good talent you can find there that, that may not uh, love basketball as much as they do other sports, but, but hopefully you can find some. Oh, yeah. Well, you get that trade-off for sure. You know, you need – I always say this. You need football players to play basketball. You mm -hmm. need some brutes. You need some tough guys to crash boards. And you don't. You may not necessarily have to score, but you need that toughness. So, yeah, so we got a few of those. Nice. Always always good to have those. Uh, before we get into the, the specific topic of training players to, to play with pace, I wanted to talk about um, – skills that you think that players can work on and, and things that they can work on for their own improvement when they're away from their coach or they're away from a trainer specifically. I, I think the last couple of years of the whole situation with pandemic and quarantine and, and COVID has really forced a lot of coaches and, and even trainers to get really creative with the way that they work with players or even the things that they design for their players to help them uh, be able to still work on their game when, when they're not physically present. So I wanted to ask you about anything that you uh, recommend or, or, or tell your players to do when, when they're by themselves that, that will help make them a better player. Most definitely. You know, I think uh, to becoming a better basketball player, you know, you, you look at all these guys like Curry and Kyrie and these kids want to dribble crazy and they just think it's all about the ball handling, you know, but you got to break it down first and you got to start at the base level with your footwork. Um, a big thing is like we do a lot of ladder um, drills and, and getting our footwork right because if you want to be a successful basketball player, a good shooter, a good ball handler, you it doesn't matter what defender, you know, it starts with your feet. So footwork, I think, is definitely um, the big piece to all this together. And then um, I would definitely talk about <clears throat> ball control, ball manipulation. When I talk about ball control and ball manipulation, it's learning how to control the basketball, spreading your fingers, learning how to put it in your pocket, and, and being able just to really feel that basketball and being able to do what you want with it. You know, a lot of times kids can't dribble the ball. They, they're not strong in their fingertips. They can't grab that basketball and, and manipulate it the way they need to. Um, so those are the biggest things I have my kids work on, and that allows them with pace is, is footwork and then ball manipulation. And there's different type of ball manipulations you can do, learning how to shift your body weight and, um, and then adding on to that uh, finishes and footwork uh, off that pace. And then, of course, shooting. Let me ask you what your uh, go-to non-negotiable 
skills, I guess, or, or fundamental skills that you believe are absolute must that players must have when it, when it comes to footwork? What are the things that you prioritize or work on when it comes to their players' uh, feet and their footwork? Most definitely. Um, so I, I am huge in this. I teach all my players, whether it's uh, it's it's posts or, or guards, you know, and we're pretty small, so we, we're pretty much like uh, positionless. But, yeah. you know, the drop, um, which I call it, is when the, the ball is in your right hand and off a dribble, you know, right foot's out in front. It's, it's a natural ball movement, uh, a foot movement that you do naturally when you're playing the game. Um, I, I teach that, like, I mean, it's, it, we do it every single day. They, they have a workout that they do that incorporates um, dropping, putting a ball in their pocket, and then um, we build off into that. So two things I really teach is that drop, and then, and then we do tons of hop to power, uh, pace work off those two. So, Do you find that teaching footwork and, and just your experience, is, is it something that you've felt really has to be explain to players do you think players kind of come with a knowledge of the way that their feet work and the way that their feet uh are, are operating in a game or in a basketball sense or, or do you find that you really have to break down and explain like what their feet are doing or the way that their feet are helping them in, in the game well just what's kind of your general experience with that Ben? that is a great question you know you would think that players you could just say hey uh pound pocket put that ball right next to your hip and, and, and drop put your right foot out in front to your left you know i I would ask kids before we start doing it, I break it down to them. Do you guys know what it is? Why we do it? And I, so many kids tell me, coach, I have no idea what that is. You know, so we, I definitely have to explain and break it down and tell them why you drop and it creates angles and it, and it creates, you know, it gives yourself opportunities and you have to explain why we do this so the kids can intertwine it. And then it just helps them when you're trained that they, they know how to drop, they know how to do a certain move. Now they know how to use it to get by the defender. You, you definitely have to break it down bit by bit. Um, something I was definitely surprised and you thought more kids would just have that general knowledge, but you know, they really don't, they're not taught that. I don't think at the youth level as much. And, I feel like as a coach that could save you so much more frustration if you just start with that right away and start right. talking about footwork and, and, and why your feet are in the position they are. You talked about the power pocket and things of that nature rather than situations where you, a coach might find themselves, you know, giving all these directions and all these things to do, but then a player might not understand the why behind it or the why their feet are the way they are, or what they're doing with their feet. And if you I guess kind of start that way, literally from the feet up, then you're probably going to save yourself a bit of, bit of frustration, but instead of having to kind of go back at a later date and try to rework and reteach their footwork later after you've taught them or tried to explain to them a bunch of other things. Exactly. Most definitely. So as we transition in the idea about training players to play with pace, let's kind of talk about it in a, in a general sense in your experience about what, what is the importance for you to make sure that your ball handlers are, are playing with pace? What, what is the reason why this is something that is as important to you as it is? Most definitely, you know, um, for elite ball handlers and, and my ball handlers, you know, when, when you play with pace, you have control. You have confidence. Um, your defense isn't allowed to speed you up. You're the floor general. You make the decisions. Um, simply put, the game looks extremely fast to everybody, but to my ball handlers, it should be in a slow down version to where I can see a play before the play happens. Hmm. Do you find in your experience that 
when players come into your program that you are needing to slow the game down with them? What is kind of the sense as you start to work with players about where they're at? And I guess a better question would be like, by the time, what age are the players when you're doing skills and training with, are you mostly focused on the high school age? Do you do, you do any work with younger age? Let's kind of start there first. Oh, it, it you, it definitely have to start down at the lower ages. Um, if I get my, my middle school too, and then, um, you know, the youth when our, our, our little dribble program and, mm-hmm. and, the, and the why, you know, they need to understand playing with pace is not only just footwork, but playing with pace off the catch, learning how to go slow to quick when a defender's closing out on you and slow to quick when you, when you're hesitant, all of it needs to be taught, you know, at a, at a young age, because, you know, when the game, gets to the high school level, it is fast. Like, and you always hear, you want to play fast. The coach wants to play fast. He has a small team. He wants to play fast, but you need to still be able to play with pace when you're playing fast. Otherwise, sometimes a situation when you probably could control it is out of your control just because you're so sped up. So. Is there a way in your experience to even help somebody at a, at a, at a young age to, to, to play with pace, even as they're starting to even like learn how to dribble and learning the basic things with ball movement? Is there a way to kind of train that player even at a young age as they're actually physically learning how to dribble a basketball to also kind of have like a certain pace with it as they're learning as well? Yeah, most definitely. You know, um, especially at a younger age, it's a lot slower and it's a lot more broken down. Mm-hmm. I think it's complimentary, like, when they're actually playing the game too, is the defenders aren't as good, you know? So, um, but teaching a, a young kid how to put that ball in their pocket, you know, it's a dribble. You want to let that ball flow and, and learning how I can make a decision, you know, in relation to where, you know, a defender is to my right or to my left or how I can get by my defender. Um, you know, it, it, you definitely can teach a kid. And then you also have to use uh, situations, you know, um, we practice situational when you practice closeouts and you put a kid in a in a spot to where, you know, um, it was a bad closeout. Um, so we're not talking about the dribble right now, but if it's a bad closeout mm-hmm. and he attacks that, um, now you want to go into a re-dribble when you're scoring on the help side. You know, if the, the defender's not there, you teach the kid to go up quickly, same foot stop or a power up. You know, if the defender is there, beat you to the spot. Now we're going to play with pace. We're going to Euro. We're going to hop to power. Um, we're going to get to our spot. So um, definitely most pivotal when they're at a young age to teach them that. And, and as you said, that's a good point about, you know, usually as you're, as you're teaching them that the, the defense that they're playing isn't, isn't as good or isn't as effective. So it's, it's, it, they're learning it, but at the same time, it almost allows them to be able to kind of, they're not going to get punished as harshly. I feel like (laughs) (laughs) for for some mistakes that they might, they might be able to get away with a couple of things that you can clean up later when they're not having, you know, this high pressure defense, you know, from their way. Yeah. You know, when kids, kids that age, when they do know how to pocket the ball and play with pace, they destroy their competition. I mean, I'm sure you've seen all the time when a little kid just understands the game and plays with pace. It's, it's a nightmare. (laughs) It's a nightmare for those other teams. Yeah, no, I know. I, I 100% agree with you. It almost looks like they're playing a different game where yeah. they can, you know, control where, where, where the ball is and control like the, the, like their footwork, like we just talked about earlier, like just being able to see situations and, and see everything. It's, it's like they're, they look like they're almost like 10 years older on the court just exactly. by the way that they're, they're being able to play it. Um, what, do you, what do you think is kind of like a, the second part to that question in, in your time coaching? What is the 
kind of key takeaway that, that you notice or the big key difference that you see with players that you see who do play with pace versus the players who kind of struggle with it? What, what is the on the court difference that, that you can point out right away then where you can say, okay, that one I can tell definitely is playing with pace and this one I know isn't. What, what is kind of the, the biggest indicators, I suppose, of that to be able to you recognize? Know, uh, being comfortable on the court. You know, like when you're rushed, you, you, you're making bad decisions. You're, you're throwing, you're turning the ball over and a kid just can't, doesn't look comfortable out there on the court. You know, they feel rushed, muscles are tight. They can't make a good pass. They can't, you know, catch and shoot. They have a hitch in their shot when they never did. Um, you know, you see the gap there for a kid to do a hop to power, but just doesn't. Um, and when, when kids have that, you know, absolute control, um, it's like they're one step ahead of the defender. They get to the bucket, you know, at will, you know, um, they play with pace in the offense, they catch the shoot, they knock it down. And they, you know, from a kid that doesn't know how to play with pace to a kid that plays with pace, you know, the confidence and the comfortability on the court is a, is a huge difference, you know, and you can see it with your good teams and your bad teams. Good teams have great pace, whether it's their ball handlers or, or just their team offense aspect and even on defense versus a team that doesn't have pace. You know, the kids, kids struggle making layups. They can't time their, their passes right. Or, you know, they're just, it looks like they're offbeat. You know, it's a rhythm game, you know, mm -hmm. and just like those bad teams or bad players that aren't quite developed yet. They don't have any rhythm to the way they play. Yeah. And, and just to add on to that, I feel like one of the things I, I noticed right away is how a player reacts to to any sort of like pressure or any sort of different situation yeah. that's being thrown their way and that the players who can play with pace they can immediately recognize something and then go into an action or a secondary action that that, exactly. that allows them to move on versus ones who kind of freeze up tense up and it's to me those those players who i know will like freeze up tense up or think too much or have that hitch there those are the ones i'm immediately gonna you know attack or go after and and then yep. those who do have that pace it's like okay they're clearly seeing the floor in a much different manner. And that I know forces me to have to completely not maybe necessarily completely, but to, but to also change things because I know, okay, this is a, this is a smart player who's going to be able to mm -hmm. adjust to, to the things that are being thrown their way. Exactly. You know, it's like when coaches, you know, we have what you call, you know, you, you have a backup to a play. You have, they take away the first action. Okay. We have a second, second action, right. Mm -hmm. Or a third action. You, you have a counter to a play. Well, same thing with a player, you know, as when they become elite and they learn how to pocket the ball and, you know, there's always a counter to a move. And, and when a kid understands that and, and knows, okay, you take away this, I got this next because I'm playing with pace, you know, you're, it's kind of hard to even, you know, <laughs> coach against that kid or try to stop that kid because, you know, if they can counter everything you're trying to do, it's, it's pretty scary. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, let's make sure so that there, there's 100% clarity for, for everybody listening. When you, when you refer to the term about pocketing the ball, what goes into that? What, what is it that you specifically mean by that? Okay, so um, I teach all my players the pocket. And if you just imagine, you know, you're standing there and you have a basketball and you're holding at your hip. Okay, so when that ball dribbles, it automatically goes into your pocket. You know, when, when you find a bad ball handlers, you know, if you have any, you just see them. They, they don't know how to let that ball flow. It's like a, a quick reaction, like they're dribbling. They just, they have no control over it. It just looks rushed. Um, so the pocket, you know, we work on pound pocket. You pound, you dribble that basketball, and then a, your wrist does a slight turn, and that ball floats right on the outside of your hip. 
So that allows for you to make decisions, shoot pass, cross over, go behind the back. It, it slows the game down for the ball handler. So that's when I talk about when I'm talking about pocketing the ball, the ball is floating right outside on your hip. Slight wrist turn. Obviously, you can't put the hand underneath it because it'd be a carry. Mm -hmm. But learning that's when that ball manipulation comes into play, learning how to control it right outside your hip. So, yeah. All right. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes, sir. Um, so let's let's talk about the work that you specifically do to that, that you use to improve. Uh, players when they're playing with the ball in their hand how do yep. you identify bad habits that they have when they have the ball in their hand how do you kind of break those down and kind of build those back up yeah so um things that you know I like to start off when I first get to a, a program or, or, or something is I'll, I'll tell them what I want them to do and I will not correct anything you know, I want to see whose fingers are closed together when they're dribbling, who doesn't let that ball hang into their hip, um, who has a hard time of just being able to control or or make that basketball do what they want to do. You know, so we break it down. Even the, uh, you'll notice, though, right away that the good ball handlers just they naturally put that ball in their pocket. They naturally have a strong grip, um, et cetera. So, you know, we, we break it down. We shut them down all the way to the bare minimum. And we start everybody the same, you know, we start just in a basic stance <clears throat> and uh, you know, you want to have balance. You don't want to play skinny, you play skinny. You're not able to make good decisions. You're off balance. So we always talk about having a wide base and we do a lot of um, what I call ball manipulation. So, you know, a series that we go through is pound pocket where they pound the ball and we let it float right outside their hip, slightly turning that wrist with a hard dribble. Um, we'll do that right side, left side, and then we'll drop out of it. So um, I talked about footwork. So now we do pound pocket. Um, and I'm noticing a lot when the kids do it, they want to turn their wrist all the way over. You know, you got to teach a kid to spread your fingers, dribble that ball hard and let it just naturally come back up into your hand with a slight wrist turn. And then we work on that drop where the right foot goes out in front of the balls on the right side. Um, left foot should be behind you, but it shouldn't be in a straight line. You know, you think about angles. It's a game of angles. Mm -hmm. um, you teach those kids to get their feet, right foot slide outside their shoulders, left foot outside. Um, and then we go through a series of ball manipulations like that. Um, we'll pound at one, we'll use a cone, we'll pound over and back, we'll shift our weight um, with the basketball going back and forth, uh, shifting the weight, learning how to control that ball. And then we always add the pocket in there. So I may go pound pocket, I may say pound pocket, double cross back into the pocket. And it's a series of moves, putting that ball back into the pocket. And, and learning how to feel that ball, grab that ball, so we can do what we want with the ball. Is there a way, there, there's a way in, in that to obviously assess if a player is doing it well when you're breaking it yes. down with them and working working in it in that situation, but is, is there a way that, that you could tell if a player is ready to kind of take that and apply that into a game situation, or is it one of those you really don't know until you see them play and then you can see like where, where it is that they're truly at. That's, that's great. Cause you know, you know, some kids will be able to do it, you know, and, and you'll say, okay, yeah, that kid, yeah, he has a good pocket. He, he can put it into the game. Well, you know, the next step to that is situational reading react yep. drills, teaching them, you know, how to use their off arm, get by their defender. Um, so, you know, I like to start at the base, um, working that, and then we'll add the, uh, 
uh, situational drills, read and react drills in there. And then that, you know, I, I kind of don't just make my judgment, okay, he can pocket the ball. You know, you should be able to pocket the ball, you know, but there's still mm -hmm. going to be guys that are better at it come game time than others. You know, so I really assess them when we get to situational and, and read and react drills. Well, sounds like a good place to get into that about so, some of the read and react. Is that is that an offense you like to run? Do you like to run read and react? Or, is that, or the drills just help you with the teaching to play in pace? Most definitely it's teaching to play, you know, in pace. Um, we'll put our guys in, in, in many different situations. There's tons of read and react drills, but, you know, um, a lot of things that we do when we just do shooting drills, when we do um, just passing, whatever we do, we always start with that pound pocket. I incorporated that pound pocket drop. Um, into our one more drill, which is a shooting drill, our KU threes, which is a shooting drill, our Memphis threes. We're always learning how to play out of that pocket drop. And then um, uh, what you call it? It, it, it just, it lets us, it just lets us create, get a feel for it in a, in, in a real game-like um, situation. Um, I'm making them do it, you know? So naturally I start seeing them do it in a game. Are those drills that, that you just mentioned, are those, in, are those part of the, the, the read and react type drills you do, or are those specifically shooting drills? They incorporate both. Um, it, it incorporates a little bit of both. So, you know, some shooting drills, like when we do our hop to power series or our KU3s, we'll add a live defender. I don't do a whole lot of on-air layups because we look good doing on-air layups all day. My first year, I learned the hard way. We did so many on-air layups, we couldn't score to save our lives. We didn't, we didn't know how to score. So a lot of my read and react drills is with a live defender now. You know, one of my favorite drills to do is elbow finishing. We start with the one more pass on the top of the left side. Um, one of my players, he's on the other. We go slot to slot with it, which is top of the key, top of the key, left to right. We put a defender at the free throw line. My player's saying one more, but I'll adjust that defender to where I want him to be. So I may say, hey, defender, um, you got to touch opposite elbow, recover off the one more pass. We're going to work on our, we just blew by you. We're going slow to quick. We're finishing with a same foot stop, which is a same foot right hand layup. Um, so that is, that is a drill that we love to do a lot. Um, and a lot, another, another drill that we love to do is uh, just, it's called, we call it Spain drill, mm -hmm. where a player dribbles around the right. A defender uh, runs around. He's underneath the basket. I'm at the free throw line of offense. He goes opposite cone. We go around the other opposite cone. You work on reading that defender where his angle is. He's not there yet. We're off the floor quick. Same foot stop. He crosses your face. Hop to power euro. Um, and then, like I said, any drill that we do in the read and react, I'll put a defender in a spot to where they may be out of out of um, a chance to play good defense. It'll be an advantage towards the offense, but. Um, you're reading and, and you're and you're learning and, and you're playing with pace. No, that's that's. It seems that just from the description that you gave, that it forces a lot of a lot of decision making. Yes, and it forces a lot of players having to see what's going on and be able to make a decision from that. And I think that exactly. that's kind of like the 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 putting it all together about playing in pace, not only the way that you handle the ball in your hand, but also the way that you're able to not rush the decisions that you make on the court together. And it sounds like you're trying to put both of those together, if I'm, if I'm getting that correct. Yeah, most, most definitely. You know, um, we do offensive concepts where, you know, we do something when it's concept shooting three or no breakdown. But generally, when we do our read and react drills, you know, it's going to – we're adding that all up to where it's going to help us when we go and, and play, you know, generally. It's, it's – um, 
we don't we we may add a concept in and do a read and react drill, but for the most part, all of our drills that we do will incorporate some type of of you know game like situation where you know play breaks down or in transition or this side v side one v one or you beat the uh, um, defender up top with an off arm drive. You got to hop the power kick. All of our read and react drills, you know, we will never do nothing that won't help us in the game. And I know that that was something that I really tried to pay attention recently about is, is how much decision-making my players have to make when the situations are like broken down, whether it's in transition or after a loose ball or something breaks down versus just in our traditional offense. And right. there's a lot, uh, this, this probably isn't that surprising, but it was a bit surprising of me to actually see the numbers when I looked at it, just how much of our offensive action and things that we have with the ball in our hand is not coming from, you know, set things that we're running in the half court, but a whole bunch of myriad of other situations that exactly, as yep. we talked about, players have to make decisions. Players have to look at what the time and situation is. And, and it's, I, my players are, are sometimes really, really good at making decisions and pace within the confines of our normal half court offense. But mm -hmm. to be able to do that, you know, out of transition or when things don't exactly look the way that they need to, I was personally surprised by just how much of the game is played in those, you know, ugly, more messy situations where it's really testing your players and their ability to kind of know and read the situation. Oh, yeah. I, I love that you said that. I'm always saying embrace the ugly. You know, us <laughs> coaches wanted a drill to be perfect. You know, I think we got to get away from this has to be perfect. This has to be perfect. You know, basketball is ugly sometimes. You know, we got to learn to teach teach our kids how to embrace the ugly and get through it to make a decision when something goes wrong and give them that ability to play with pace or, you know, read and react. Because at the end of the day, you know, we can run a perfect offense, but if we don't give our kids the, the skill to be able to score or to have the proper footwork to knock down a shot that we want, we're failing our kids. And, and, and to just kind of add on to, to that thought, I, I think of myself as a coach and, and other coaches I know too who – are really big in, into, you know, pressure defense, yeah. really big into the press, really big into forcing turnovers. And, and really what we're doing, right, is, is making the game ugly, is trying yeah. to create these situations where the game is kind of out of control and we're forcing turnovers and forcing all these mistakes to have happen. And then, so if that's something that I want to do defensively as a coach, then I'm putting my team offensively in a position where then they have to react and make the right adjustment after that other team has made a mistake. And, and yes. it's very hard to simulate that looking clean in a practice situation, yeah. I guess, if that makes any sense. Exactly. Exactly. You know, um, you, I try to find an ugly play. You know, I, I tend to do, the, do this a lot now. Like I will, I will watch film and I'll be like, wow, like we struggle with when we, when we, my point guard switches sides of the street and we throw the ball up and the defender closes out on us. Why aren't we attacking that defender? Like he's putting pressure on us or we hold the ball. You know, I'm trying to find a moment where it's ugly and we simulate that in practice, whether it's a three on three breakdown, a three on two, you know, and, and learn how to play with pace and make a good decision out of that. Uh, that's, that's one of the most authentic ways to kind of practice it, right? Yeah. <laughs> the situation that you've been through that, that's great. So, in, in a general sense, uh, when we talk about playing of pace, we're also talking about kind of knowing time and situation and, and knowing what, what's required, uh, maybe even against the team that you're playing. So what are your kind of general rules or philosophies when it comes to teaching ball handlers, when it comes to speeding the game up versus, you know, slowing things down? 
Oh yeah, that's all. I, we I was just talking about that. I have a group of point guards. We were just we were talking about this. So mm -hmm. you know the the biggest thing is you know a point guard is your floor general. You know when we're talking about um, beating a guy up the floor, um, you we practice these things like we we put them in different situations. When you're in transition, the skill set that you're going to use, the way you pocket, the way you go slow to quick um, up the court is going to be different than you know, to when you're in a half court setting, you know, we talk about our primary break and we're, we're really talking about this a lot right now. We're trying to score in transition, you know, point guard, your job is to advance the ball up the court um, to get the, so we can get the first best. Look, we're small, so we're trying to score quickly, but, you know, we'll put our point guards in a situation, do ball handling work in a way they have to, you know, go slow to quick so they're not easy to guard and get by that first defender to where they can read the floor, see the floor. You know, we, we kind of help them through it a little bit at the yeah. uh, beginning of summer. But as they get on, you know, they start seeing the floor better. Um, you tell them and when you're doing your five on no break, your five on three breaks and, and whatever you're doing, then you just translate that to the half court setting. And, you know, you put them in a situation where they're uncomfortable you break it down, you teach them a couple uh, counter moves to uh, um, get them going to a spot they need to go or um, you, and then you gotta watch film. You know, you break it down with them and see, hey, you know, we're in our primary break, now we're gonna slow it down. Um, they beat us down the four defenses set. Now it's a time to slow it down, get into your secondary action. As you're working with players on that, is there any sort of like, timetable that, that that players need to kind of get it to, to progress at a certain level I know it's going to yeah. work for for differently for every single player depending on where they're at but is there a certain time frame that you kind of have in your mind where you're like okay this is where this player's at in terms of their understanding of this we got to we got to mm -hmm. get them to here 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 what what does that sort of look like for you so especially when you know taking over a program I I'm I'm having to create point guards I don't know about you but I, I'm not I'm, you probably had to create a few point guards in, in your lifetime try to um, yeah <laughs> yeah coaching so you know in the what I'm coming to find out is once you get them to a level where they understand we just constantly talk about it all the time we constantly review we constantly assess ourselves um and we we constantly just talk about it all the time because you know I came to find out my first couple of years is I would talk about it they'd get to a point where I needed to be quickly and then we wouldn't talk about it anymore. Now my point guard is not doing what I thought they already knew. You know, it's like um, we talk about it. We we make sure we're all on the same page. And um, time frame wise, you know, really the kids nowadays. I feel like they're we got. I got a smart group of kids, smart group of point guards. Um, never really been unlucky with a having a not smart point guard or a couple of kids that couldn't pick it up quick. So I kind of don't just. Time frame it. We start small, but you know, I it, there's no time frame. We just constantly assess, get better, assess, get better. What What are those sessions like? If or, or, when you talked about looking at film, do you look at film with players, like in, in a live setting? Do you have players look at film separately, and then you look at it separately and come together? What What is it like, kind of going over film with your with your ball handlers? Most definitely. So you know, I, I was big into. I did this last season because mm -hmm. previous season we would. I would tell them to pick three clips. Um, Every single time, every single game, um, even if we recorded practice, uh, three clips of, of pace. Um, and that's all I would say. And they knew exactly what I meant. Uh, and they'd give me three bad clips of pace. Um, and I would want them to send me a descriptive detail. A lot of work, a lot of extra work, but it's paid off tremendously. Um, they would tell me, hey, clip right here versus so-and-so, 327, coach, I 
pocket pound drop got by my defender came to a hop to power kick got my brother an open shot you know and then i would have feedback on that like great job using your off arm to slow down the defender good pace on your next re-dribble to get your brother the ball um and then someone in when we're watching film you know we'll have a few clips ready for him and we'll just we'll go through those actions and, and we watch film on slow forward right so they really see themselves making a mistake or, or making the right play does that I, I to, to add on to that, um, I'm, I'm curious because this is something I've, I know I've been personally looking to maybe integrate more is that use of mm-hmm. film with, with players themselves. From your experience, how much teaching do you have to do to even have your players kind of know what to look for or, or how yeah. to identify, you know, what's going well or, or, or what isn't when they're looking at film on their own? That's a great question. Um, so really, you know, generally bring them all together first. You and you're right. You have to teach kids how to watch film. You know, you have to teach them what to look for. Um, It's not just letting the role play, looking for a good clip. I'm putting that on my highlight. You know, it's every situation, every second of the game. You can you can learn something. So teaching them how to slow it down in clips when we tag them. You know, it helps to to tag. You know, it's a lot of work for coaches. But if you tag and you can break it down, and they have clips to look at and they know what they're looking for. That can help them because you can, you know, huddle is great nowadays mm-hmm. in these these platforms. You can break it down and say um, defensive clip here or offensive clip where you use pace and, you know, and, the, and then the players know what to look for. So, you know, and then it's trial and error. You know, the first few times when I had the kids send in the film, it was very undescriptive and maybe a couple words um, got by my guy. OK, <laughs> okay <but laughs> how did you get by your guy? Yeah. You know, so it's it's kind of like a, a trial and error and the kids learn and it may not be so good at first, but it, it gets better. And then, you know, you get kids that, hey, coach, I watched his five five fifty five coach. I know exactly. Boom, 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 boom. And you're like, OK, it's paying off. It may took six months, but it's we're getting to where we need to be. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure that translates to what they can do on, on the court a little bit more. Just their general knowledge of like what the what's happening in the game of basketball itself. by having them watch that much. Right. Yes, sir. Tremendously. And you know, it's not like I'm, I'm making them watch film for hours. You know, it's, you know, it's part of the game. You've got to be I a think. student player, you know, so um, we definitely incorporate into our basketball program. How do you uh, kind of do that, that chess match with, and, and maybe yours is different than, than our mm-hmm. situation, but I know where, I know where I'm at, you know, ever, everyone's looking to press you to death. Everyone's looking to, you know, run up and down, like it's a track meet and try to make the game go at a hundred thousand miles an hour. Uh, I guess my first question to that is, is, is that kind of the, the pace of basketball you see? Is there a lot of full court pressures or is there a lot of what I like to call like track meet basketball that, that goes on in your area first off? You know, up here in the panhandle, there are some really, really good basketball teams. <laughs> it's <laughs> tremendous basketball teams up here. But, you know, I think our, and especially our district, it's pretty diverse. You know, you have the Herefords who trap press you. Um, you have the Canyons who may, they'll pick you up half court man to man. And you'll have the, you'll have a team that may come out in the two. It, it switches from team to team. We, we really have a balanced, you know, district when it comes to speeding you up throwing a, a half court trap at you or a full court trap and or sitting back to simply we're going to guard the basket man to man we stop ball in transition it's really really diverse out here so our kids have you know they, they get to learn a lot of basketball it's just not 
everybody, you know, shout out to the coaches in our district, you know, not one coach is like the other coach. You know, I think each uh, coach in our district does something really well and they do something different, which makes our district so tough. And for those who do uh, press, those who are looking to speed the game up, is there anything in particular that, that you feel you need to go with over with your team and, and go oh, yeah. over your players to make sure that they're still playing within themselves and not allowing them to be sped up to, to a level that is out of their pace? Most definitely. Um, you know, we love to say they want to press, we're going to use it against them, you know. And this past year, you know, it's always great to have a ball handler that can break pressure no matter what, you know. But um, you teach them how to play with pace in it in through your offensive plays and your in your in your press offense to where um, they have time to make a decision and if defense is coming at you like crazy, you know, you use that against them to to be able to get the ball and advance it. So yeah, we most definitely break it down and you know uh, when we have the athletic period, uh, we'll simulate it uh, to where what they need to do. Uh, ball handlers, point guards, bigs, um, and we'll break it down to three on two, three on three a lot of times, and then we'll go five on five once we get to practice. So, you know, the simulations there already, they know exactly what we're looking for, how to play with the pace we need uh, to beat the press. And then, you know, generally we've, any team that's pressed us this past year, we, we, we beat them because we just, we knew how to play with pace. We knew how to use it against them. Um, we're always ready for the press, but uh, teams like to run zone on us and it hurt us because we couldn't shoot as well, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think are, are, are the key things to, to having a good uh, press break that, that maintains the pace that, that you yes. want to play at? Yes, that's, that's a great question. Um, you know, you need, I, I would love to say, you know, you could just do it with anybody, but that's not true. You need a great ball handler, a couple, a few you, guards out there at the same time. You need some guys that are smart. Um, you need some guys that are shifty and that can, that can be depressed. You know, a lot of times we like to clear it out. We know the running jump's coming. Uh, get the ball and then we're spreading down the court. Your guy leaves you, you know you're coming straight back to the ball for an easy throw the floor up the head. Now it's three on two going the other way. Um, but definitely train, training a, your ball handlers to always play against pressure and understanding how to reverse dribble drop, give yourself decisions when pressure's there um, is definitely key. Um, repping it, repping it, repping it, repping it to where you get in the game. It's just like, man, we got to get out of this press. Are there, uh, and, I, and I think you just just touched on them, but I'll have you follow up on it a little mm -hmm. bit. Are there, are there specific things that you like to work on when you're working on with your players individually when it comes to uh, escaping pressure, being able to, to handle pressure in terms of ball handling? I think you just kind of mentioned a little bit about whether it's like escape oh, yeah. dribbles or reverse dribbles. What are some things that kind of go into that when you're working with players? Oh, yeah, I, that's some of my favorite part of practice to incorporate oh, yeah. <laughs> that in. Uh, you know, we, it's like so a team loves to have court trap us, right? So, you know, we'll, we'll start we'll, we'll start on the sideline in a trap almost. Look, defense will be two, about two steps away, and the, the trap's coming. We'll teach our kids how to reverse, reverse dribble, which means you're, you're dribbling the ball across your belly button, reverse while you're backing up. And then your second is a drop where your foot goes forward. Now you're looking at the defense. You're able to throw the ball out or split the, um, the trap. So we'll give our kids the necessary skills in a, in a certain situation to be able to beat that press or to beat that trap and that pressure. Um, we always put them in a situation uh, to where they're, it's very difficult, but we show them the skill. Um, and we'll rep it, you know, one on one-on-0 first. 
um, and I'll show them the skill that they need to do, whether it's the drop through, um, you know, or simple pressure one-on-one -on -one when we learn how to rip through, escape that pressure, step through the hole. But we'll, we'll simulate it, we'll break it down when we're showing moves and then we'll add the defender, we'll add the next layer and then we'll put into a game situation to where they need to rep it. And I started doing that this year more than I've ever had. And I'm like, wow, like, I don't know why I wasn't doing this my first year. What, what have you noticed since you started doing a lot in the past year? And just being able to handle the pressure, the kids making the right decision, the right play, giving them the resources and the tools to, to be a player, not limiting my players ability you know um the skill work has paid off tremendously uh between my first year kids not knowing what to do when they're getting trapped obviously or defenders force me one way i don't have the ability to go behind my back reverse dribble reverse dribble go the other way um the kids comfortability and and being able to make better decisions is the biggest thing i've noticed and because of that it almost sounds like as, as you're working with your players like you're, you're almost like talking to them like hey like just assume it's inevitable right that you're going to get trapped yeah. like it, it oh, is yeah. just going to happen <laughs> so oh, yeah. like when oh, yeah. you see it if if you rep it as much as you do like well you know you're going to see it we're working on this that much it's just a thing that you know you're going to just have to deal with rather than something that's that's anything like new to them or something that they can't handle exactly and we're doing it early we're doing it now you know, we're doing yeah. it now in skills. We're, we're repping it because, you know, you want to play good defense. You're going to get pressured. Like, the game involves defense, right? Like, at one point, one of you are going to get in a situation where you're going to have to be able to make a play and, and break down this defender and get to the spot on the court, maybe, if we're running an offense. So, yeah, we're, we're definitely repping it already. Uh, you, you, you mentioned this a little bit in passing, so I want to ask it to, to you specifically about uh, teaching your how much autonomy I guess is a better way to word this how much mm -hmm. autonomy do your do your players have in the sense of when you're coaching in an in-game situation how do you determine whether or not you can let your your players specifically your ball handlers dictate uh the pace of play versus you needing to kind of dictate that and and, and step in well what's what's that balance between yeah. that, that level of autonomy or lack thereof kind of like for you so early on, it's it's more me guiding them and them seeing it. Does that make sense? Like early on, I, I'm doing I'm doing it not so much for them, but I'm showing because like a lot of teams that I've come to find out they don't understand when or or how to use a certain word or do or do what they need to do to be successful, and, that, and a lot of mistakes happen. You know, so right now early on is definitely more so helping them understand what, why, and when they need to do something. Um, and then putting them in a tough situation to where they have to, you know, they have options. So, you know, you, you give a player options, um, you give them the ability to make plays, and now it's so much more on their hands. I don't, I don't want to dictate everything on offense. Like, they, they, I give them the skills to make the decisions, um, learning how to play with pace. Therefore, they can make their own decisions because the game is – so fast and quick, you gotta have you gotta be able to make decisions for yourself. I can't make the decision for you. If I'm doing that, we're probably struggling. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and and it's to me one of the challenges has always been like when can I you know let my players go? When can I let them? Yeah. When when do I no longer have to be the one to sort sort of guide them as much? And when when can I sort of release it? 
Yeah. Uh, to, to me, that's always been kind, kind of a struggle. And then maybe because part of it's like a control freak thing on, on, on my end so much <laughs> that I'm almost like holding yeah. my breath, letting them go on their own. But I, I guess, you know, there, there kind of is, maybe there is no necessarily like right time. Like you, you kind of just kind of have a feeling, right? Maybe. And then you just sort of yeah. have to, you almost in, in a way, and, and I'll let you speak to this too. Like you, you almost have to be okay with them making mistakes in that like that, yes. that's part of like letting them go is understanding that like mistakes are going to happen and you you just it almost like comes with like the territory of, of of releasing releasing them and letting them have more autonomy right and some teams are going to get it faster than others right like they're just going to be better basketball players they're going to understand the game you know more at a higher level um so when it when it when it comes to that you know you I don't, you, you, you do. It's like in life, the only way you can learn, right. Is when you, is when you lose. Well, it's the same thing for our players. You know, um, we, we try to create a perfect environment, but you know, we want an environment where it's okay to fail. And we, we get that positive uh, reinforcement encouragement and that it's okay. And we're going to learn from our mistakes. So, you know, there's, for me, I doing it early, giving them the skills and you know, they're going to struggle early. I'm not seeing it right now. New team. We're learning how to play, um, you know, and I don't, I'm not coaching right now. Oh, in Texas, you can't coach them. You can't coach them um, in the summertime. And it's like, I want to rip my hair out watching them. But I'm also seeing so much growth because generally I am letting them go right now. Like, you know, they're, they're not doing what we're always working on in practice, but they're discovering um new skills and, and they're seeing it and they're repping it and they're making mistakes but they're learning and I've seen so much growth just in a month you know kind of letting them go like you said but when it comes to the season time you know you get that a hold on your kids so long you know you, you're kind of hoping for that already early November maybe not so much with those football boys you're gonna have to start <laughs> a little bit slower again but sure you know uh, kind of a offshoot to to the to the topic but uh, I'm, I'm curious about about your thoughts on this as, as we start to, to wrap up here in a little bit are there ways to teach players how to play with pace off the ball is, is there are, are there things awesome. that you think can be done to to get players going and, and being able to kind of play with the ball even if they don't have the ball in their hands that's that's great uh, of course most definitely you know you need to be teaching that we're talking so much on the ball what we're doing mm -hmm. these decisions but, you know, when we're doing situational, we'll have a backside action going, whether he's back cutting a defender, um, learning how to read the defender, learning when, you know, where the ball is relation, where I need to be relation to the ball. So you, definitely, you know, you we're repping that in practice on a backside. I'm coming up off the cut at the perfect time when my brother's over there going into a dribble handoff. When I catch it, you know, defender's not there yet. It's, and it's a bad closeout. I'm just blowing right by him because his closeout's so bad. Um, most definitely uh, teaching off the ball movement, um, learning how to read screens, learning how to read defenders um, in everything that we do. Well, we start pretty simple. It's on the ball, read and react. The more we get into the, the depth of it, now we're adding players in backside, adding actions into where you're reading, reacting those defenders, you know, now you're making a play based off what that defender does. And that's high level basketball right there, but, yeah. you know, definitely adding that stuff in. And, and to kind of add to that, how important is it that your 
point guard or whoever your ball handler is, is, is working with all of your players in, in situations where, you know, your ball handler is aware of like the strengths of, of the players on your team or aware of who, you know, the shooters are and aware of, 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 of players when, when they're cutting off the ball. How, how important is it and how much work do you do with like your ball handler with like specific players, whether it's like two on whatever drills, two on O, two on one, um, because I, I think the best teams that I see are ones where that ball handler kind of knows like every single player on the court and what they can do and where they're expected to be and, yeah. and putting them in the position to be the most successful. And so I was just curious about how much work kind of goes into you with that, where your ball handlers kind of know and can work with all the other different guys and, and really get a feel for them that way. Yeah, we, um, you know, just doing it, doing whatever we're doing, whether it's breakdown, offensive breakdown, uh, skill work, you know, we're constantly assessing our guys. Like we're seeing what they're good at, our strengths and weaknesses. And we talk about it, you know, it's in their head. We talk about it all the time. When when Tap's coming off a down screen, you know, I'm driving to my left. We, we beat our guy to the middle. His feet are going to be set. You're, you're throwing him the ball. So I think the more, you know, our guys – are getting reps and they're consistent with each other. It's almost like second nature, you know. It's like you you played on a good team, and you know, if I played on a good team and in high school, you play so much with those guys, and whatever you do, you know where they're gonna be, what they're gonna do. You know, same thing for our guards. You know, we're just talking them through it. We're 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 telling them, hey, this person, this person, and they see it too. You know, they're they're smart enough to where they know that so and so is gonna post up on the block. Um, coming off our double screen action. He's going to be open. That help side's not going to be there. We've got to give him the rock there. So I think it's knowing your personnel and just repping it with your with your players and, and the point guard seeing that over and over and over. Record practice, show them, you know, um, your strengths will show. And, and you record practice? Is that oh, yeah, we, we record practice. We, and what do you, is that something that, that you, ha you, you look at as much as, as, as your players look at? What kind of goes into the, the practice film of breakdown? So at first I never did it. I never yeah. did it. And it killed me on how the lack of intensity we had when it came to practice and our guys weren't understanding the reason why you weren't getting the, the job done on a Tuesday and Friday night. You know, um, I, I was not a believer in recording practice. I was like, I don't need to do that. It's practice. But, you know, you got to win at practice. We got to earn our trophies in practice before we can pick them up on Tuesdays and Fridays at tournaments. So, you know, just breaking concepts, and it goes as far as breaking concepts down. Like, hey, we're trying to add this concept into our offense um, off Nova. You know, we're going to rep that. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Then I'm going to show my boys in just a quick session. We may pull them off uh, for five minutes while our bigs are doing post work. Um, I get pretty creative. You know, for five <laughs> minutes, we'll show them, hey, we're doing this action. Get them back out there on the court. Assistant coach brings them back out. And, hey, we're repping it again. Like, um, I think it's crucial for development. And to see where a player is at, their intensity, um, et cetera. I think it's almost a must nowadays. I, I like the I like the idea though of, of of really kind of showing the players almost like the the intensity level and just showing like you know yeah. the way that they they kind of go about their way on practice because I'm sure you've heard this too. You know, players talk about like, oh, you know, I'm working really hard in practice and doing all this in practice, but uh, yeah. the film film may be a little bit different, right? <laughs> it might show yeah. something a little bit different. Never lies. Film never lies, you know. No, I 100% I agree with you there. Um, before we hit our concluding segment, I, I guess I just wanted to ask you in general if there was anything um, that, 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 we, that you really wanted to emphasize, anything we didn't get to. I know that I know the hour kind of goes by quickly. So was, was there anything 
regarding stuff that you like to do with, with, with playing in pace or teaching players about playing with pace that, that, that you really wanted to get to that, that we didn't get a chance to address? Um, so, I mean, just for things that we love to do is, mm-hmm. you know, we, we incorporate everything that we do involves pace. I mean, we are talking pace. I'm always a very, very like question, questioning coach. I, I will ask a kid when and why we do this. I think it's super important to ask your players when you're doing something, ask them why you're doing this. Why do you need to do this? And, and, and hear their answers. Um, you know, I think so much nowadays, we practice so much good offense, like, you know, and I, I was a, a coach like this, that I practice so much offense and, and just defense, but my kids didn't know how to score. Or I'm doing too many unnecessary drills that with ball handling that these kids are never going to use, you know. So um, I've learned in my in my few years of coaching that, you know, some being simple and giving kids, you know, the tools, you, you may just two or three, learning how to drop um, a simple breakdown move, um, a great way to break release, you know, moving off the ball and then just repping the crap out of that, like repping it, repping it, repping it, repping it, and not adding too much, you know, is really where I see the most growth in, in the kids that I coach. Um, too much, too fast, you know, your kids feel broken down, beat down, um, take it slow and understand that, you know, you can't, you can't play the game if the kids don't have the skill, you know? Sure. No, I know. I a hundred percent agree with you. And I, and I, and I really like the idea of like, if pace is as important as it is of a concept to you is, is just a word that you're always using. And, and I think you mentioned it earlier, right. That if you use that word and if your players look at film, they like immediately know what you're talking about yes. and immediately know what to look for. And so that there is no, guesswork right <laughs> i yep. feel like when it comes to your program about what that means if, if, if anyone asks your players about it exactly exactly yeah they we we know we're we're really you know reactive when we're talking about it kids know it we preach it um and the things you want to be good at you talk about every day mm-hmm. you know so um you go in there and ask my kids what what's coach dove's uh philosophy on offense they're going to tell you it's playing with pace <laughs> <laughs> And that, that that's, means they're listening, right? Isn't that yes, nice sir. when they know? That, uh, that's awesome. Uh, there's a couple of questions, Coach, that I that I ask every guest to wrap up. So I'm going to go ahead and get started here with this first one. Um, thinking back on your coaching career, what is a moment from that career that you think others listening would be able to learn from? Kind of just talked about it so much was, you know, like I tried to come into this coaching game. I was like, oh, I know this, I know this, I know this. I'm gonna teach this kid this, 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 and this, and this. I get into the season, I, like there's so many games we started like, oh, for, we had zero, the other team had 13. And, you know, really understanding what is important, the strength of your team and, and what's gonna be necessary for your kids to grow the most and, and to play the game with confidence. You know, um, doing too much too fast will just throw kids off, right? Like we're living a day and age where they see all these things on social media, coaches get these ideas. Now at the end of the day, it's still a simple game. You know, kids got to understand how to read the floor and, and react to certain things, but you know, it's still a simple game. The basics never did Kobe wrong. He's one of the best players in the world for it, you know? Did you have any uh, particular moment or year or off season where, where that sort of like that shift kind of clicked it in your mind where, where you had to kind of switch things up a little bit or felt like you were doing too much? Most definitely. First year in, in my coaching career, taking over a program, um, I took over a program that was well defeated on their own before I got there, you know, and um, 
what I wasn't, what I was doing, you know, we, we got more respect. We're playing harder. We're better players, but we weren't winning still. So I had to reassess myself and, and, and see where I, as a coach was failing my players. Why was I, how are they not scoring? They know this move and this move. And no, I wasn't teaching it the way they needed it to be successful. So being swallowing my pride and saying, this isn't going to work. Like, we got to strap this and we're going to go here and we're, we're going to make them a better shooter here. And we're going to, we're going to give them just a couple counters in here. So they're not mm -hmm. thinking they're just reactive now, you know, and going into my second year, which at Borger this year, the growth and the ability to score, um, had an offensive MVP on my team. And, you know, the things that we did going into year two, more simple, but more effective changed our whole game. Awesome. No, 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 that, that's great to hear. Especially when when that when those changes or when some of those realizations can come earlier in your career, I think that's even better. Yes, sir. That, that's awesome. Uh, to wrap up, coach, I give every guest kind of what I call my sixty-second soapbox. But don't worry, you can go over sixty seconds. I won't time you. Uh, <laughs> it's your platform to get out kind of your final message, a final thought, just kind of a closing message uh, that you want to kind of leave the listeners with. So it's very open-ended, very open to your interpretation. So uh, I'm just going to kind of give you the floor, and I'm, I'm just going to kind of let you take it away from here. Well, you know what, just I want to thank you for this opportunity to be to, to do this today. You know, what a great chance uh, to just talk about basketball. And I think that I've learned talking to you and I hope the same from you. But, you know, biggest thing I want to want to say to coaches is don't box players. You know, we, we got to stop boxing players in and, you know, we got to grow and, and change with the game and adapt. You know, I think it's a new era of basketball. And what I mean by that is kids are getting stronger. They're getting faster. Um, we have to, as well as coaches, go out of our way to make sure that we're staying on pace with the game as well. And we're getting out of our comfort zone and, um, you know, giving kids a shot. Like if you have a six, seven post, don't limit your post player to be a six, seven post, you know, off seasons to improve and get better. You know, they get to college and that kid goes to college. You know, he may not be in a post. He may be a, a six, five, six, 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 seven wing player. Um, given the ability, the kids, um, the the confidence to to be the player that they can be, and and not boxing kids in, and you know, swallowing our pride and continuing to grow and 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 listen to our kids and, and make changes is you know why we're here. It's not to be stubborn and. And do it our way because it's just not your program. It's 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 the whole. It's the kids' program, the other coaches' program, and you just want to keep creating uh, kids that are going to be uh, great men one day in society. And you know, you box a kid in at a certain age, it creates self doubt and fear, and and that's not what we want to do. Uh, it's really good point to to reemphasize because I think especially at younger ages, sometimes we. Uh, we forget maybe uh, that our players can can go for these growth spurts sometimes or go for these physical changes and we've boxed them in as one particular type of player and then they shoot up and grow a lot or, or something happens and now they have a completely different skill set they need to learn or I mean and, and, and you know this too right is is how much of the game is played in like a five out situation or or everybody so has to have you know be able to shoot from the outside be able to handle the ball be able to do all these things that yeah. uh, you can't uh just box a player in with one skill set when you know especially if they're looking to play at a, at a collegiate level or beyond they're gonna pretty much have to be able to at least be passable at almost everything so no I, I think that's really well put uh coach I want to thank you for spending some time talking about 
you, your program, the things you like to do, playing with pace, uh, training players to pay with pace. And, and, and it's such a, such a great topic to be able to emphasize again, as, as I mentioned at the beginning about how, you know, up and down and how crazy sometimes the game can look. But as you mentioned, how slow it could look when, when we have players who, who can play the game with uh, excellent pace. So um, looking forward to you getting to actually work with your players and really be able to do all the team stuff again soon. And good luck at Dumas. Best of luck going forward, Coach. This was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. It was an honor. Thank you guys so much for listening. This was another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. We will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Make sure to connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, or reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Take care, be safe, and we'll see you next time.